This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Jeff Hawkins, Chris Novembrino, back the first week, or we're almost at post-COVID time, Chris, or uh, post-COVID yeah. wrestling, at least. Yeah, we're, we're at post-COVID wrestling. I mean, this, this is definitely a landmark in the COVID situation. Like this weekend, I am playing a backyard party. I'm fully vaccinated. My singer is fully vaccinated. Uh, she and I obviously will be standing away from the, the group or whatever as we're playing. But, you know, we're going and we're entertaining a backyard party again um, and getting back to, you know, business uh, as usual as you can make business these days. Um, still some mass ordinances in the buildings. Um, I'm still probably going to be wearing a mask when I go to the grocery store here. But we're starting to see that uh, slow and steady return to normalcy. And we're starting to see wrestling run back in arenas again and it's going to be interesting to see if uh the the crowds are there in a sustaining way for them as they uh return we're gonna do a post-mortem a little bit after after the news i think but uh i went to costco yesterday and it was like 90 percent people wearing masks which shocked me because california lifted the mask restriction for fully vaccinated people I think everybody's just kind of afraid of getting yelled at for not wearing a mask, which is kind of weird. Well, uh, you know, from my own convos with other people, I, it's like, okay, so COVID's over, but you know, the idea of wearing a mask in a public space, like to not get exposed to like cold and flu germs and other things that can be inconveniencing, like you're trying to work. Um, if me, you get a me, stomach bug or something add, like that. add something to it. There, there were those kind of looks where the eyes kind of bulge out when, like, I had forgotten to put my mask up when I left going to Costco. It's like, you're not wearing a mask. I was just like, I've been I've been vaxxed for a while, guys. But uh, let me tell you my bad idea at Costco. Because this is how uh, the, There are many bad ideas one can have at Costco. Oh, this, this one may be the worst. Um, I've been a little down because I have gained some weight during the COVID time because the gym was closed and I live in a one-bedroom condo and i didn't you know it's hard to work out especially when you're learning a new job from work at home and you're kind of working 12 hour days so to speak and you're just tired afterwards so, but low carb I is always you a copy of the chris novembrino burpee challenge uh the 60 day burpee <laughs> I can't do burpees. it's a great I can't do burpees in my place set it's wonderful i take I you do... through each day i'm I'm on the third floor and it's it's very thin floors, so I can't really do burpees. Uh, but uh, I low carb has always worked for me. And so I've decided to go back on a very, rather extreme version of low carb because I had obviously done it wrong at some points. Uh, and I was reading about this guy who did 30 days of nothing but bacon and lost 20 pounds. And so I have two hundred and fifty dollars worth of bacon in my refrigerator. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, uh, yeah, uh, that that is that's a high risk, high reward. Chris, sort of I I I cooked bacon for breakfast, and it was all Job from Arrested Development. I have made a terrible mistake. <laughs> 
Bro, you, you, you did it for breakfast. Uh, talk to me later this evening. I, I, I want a biology update in about 12 hours because I think I will, you're going to really yeah, – regret will, be, will really be setting no, in. I, no, I will, be, I will be keeping track on my Insta because that's what it was originally there for was my marathon. I trained for a marathon and elliptical and weight loss thing. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to do this 30 days of bacon. I have at least 15 days in there now. I'm just going to see how it goes. Nothing but water and bacon, bacon, baby. Sounds like a horrible Fifty Shades of Grey spinoff. It does, doesn't it? (laughs) I have different cuts. I, you know, I'm making sure there's no hidden carbs there. But uh, yeah, I had bacon for breakfast. I went, oh god. Fifty Shades of Chris. <laughs> oh, you gotta have to find a way to cook this and make it interesting, Jeff. But nevertheless, let's let's get to some news. Uh, SummerSlam tickets for the August twenty first show at Allegiant Stadium. We are reading here from Wrestling Observer, Dave Meltzer's publication in Las Vegas, officially go on sale to the public June eighteenth which was yesterday, but with no matches or talent announced, it looks like the idea of making it the company's big-time travel show of the year is going to work. Actual ticket sales started on June 14th, and at press time, there were just over 3,000 seats remaining. The question in WWE hasn't answered. The building right now is set up for 41,600 total people, which means for an event to this level, about 35,000 paid. However, many sections that would hit... That total were not put on sale yet. That did come close enough to pre-sale expectations since they put more seats on sale after day one that were on sale that that were on sale on day one. It appears that more than 30,000 tickets are out at this point between those sold and business comps. So tickets moved very well. WrestleMania did most of its selling in the pre-sale and each night ended up in the 20,000 range. Chris, any thoughts on SummerSlam on a fight night? Interestingly enough, also, I believe the Pacquiao fight is that oh. night. Mm. But um, tickets are moving well, yeah, well for yeah. Vegas, yeah. for hot Vegas in the middle of summer as a destination show. It looks like this gambit's going to work with no big main event announced. I mean, I think WWE is correct to assume at this point that they have created a business model where stars don't draw, rightly or wrongly. Um, so it doesn't really matter who's necessarily at the top of the card. And I think live events have a lot of things going in their favor, at least on the first pass. Like, uh, we've all been shut in for the better part of 15 months. Most of us, and even those of us who have been, um, risking it, shall we say, uh, over the last 15 months are eager to actually like experience, um, eat live events and stuff in a normal setting again. So I expect the initial sales for all of these events, uh, particularly wrestling, to be very good. Um, I think the real proof in the pudding is going to be when WWE goes to run Dallas and Las Vegas and these other places a second and third time. Um, time one, I think they're in a good position. But if they have a stinker of a show, uh, yeah, you know, um when you buy a bad product, you don't want to buy it again. Um, and I think if WWE turns in some of the performances that they've been turning in during the COVID era in some of these live events, um, they're going to have issues uh, in terms of getting resales. I don't think they're going to have live mutinies because I don't think people care that much. But I do think that they'll have issues in getting people to buy tickets again the next time around. 
I am not interested in this show. I don't like stadium shows to begin with. WWE stadium shows feel like there's no soul to them to me. So it's one of those things Wrestling. where like people are asking, are you driving up there for it? I'm like, no, I'm not going to drive up there for it, even though I have lots of friends from the wrestling podcasting community going. There's not going to be a takeover there. At least none's been announced. I, I don't I don't see I, the, a main roster show and paying 200 bucks to go to one. Just it's not for me. But if it's for you, God bless. That's, yeah, that's I think I'm some people say. just love the vibe of the audience. Yeah. And what I what I started to realize, like, you know, having been to WrestleMania and having been to now a number of live events over the last decade here, um, that it's not about the wrestling. It's about the spectacle and the ambiance and the vibe. And, and the you people know, you're I, with. The people, the you're, people with you're with make a big yeah, difference. Absolutely. Yeah, no. Like, and yes, the time that you're having with those people. Um, If you just mm-hmm. go to watch it by yourself um a mistake i have made because i just i didn't never really thought of it no and i just didn't think about it one way no or i'm la- i'm chuckling because i think i've been there too and it's yeah. just it's not and, fun it, and you're just you're just like oh, okay this is fine um but like wrestling for me is a lot like music in that uh when the venue is beyond a thousand seats I just do not have as good of a time at the show. And it's not like out of an exclusivity thing. It's that I think bands and wrestling matches and stuff like that do require some level of venue intimacy. Um, Having a national broadcast is great. But when I'm like in the venue, I like want to feel some level of intimacy with the band or the match or the thing that's happening. And when you're like, you know, when I'm going to, you know, at American Airlines Arena, especially in the second bowl or whatever, you're so far away from the ring um, that you just don't, you can't get into it or you find yourself watching it on a screen. Um, you're essentially watching TV live in, in mm-hmm. a venue. And I, and that's just, not, that's not for me. Um, yeah. So, uh, like, I... I mean, you know, the ones in Dallas, I will be at. Um, and if people want to link up with me or whatever, please get at me at DWATG. I'm happy to help give you tips and stuff for going around Dallas and all that sort of thing as well. Um, but, you know, I'll be at, I will be at some of the big shows, but I'm going to be more interested in the satellite shows because that's just where I have the wrestling experience that I want. Um, yeah. So that, that that's works for me. Undecided about Dallas. Although I, I read they closed my favorite restaurant in Dallas, so I'm kind of mad about that. Which one? <laughs> uh, Hattie's. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. That was no, such a, uh, I had one of the best meals of my life at that place. We, we've had many. some restaurant attrition here locally recently, mm-hmm. and um, it's made me very sad because uh, some, some good ones have gone uh, the way of the dodo. Um, gone too soon. Gone too soon. On the other side of the coin, Tony Khan announced on June 16th that they have booked Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York for a Wednesday night show called Dynamite Grand Slam on September 22nd. It's the tennis stadium in Flushing. I believe it's Flushing Meadows, Dave, with a retractable roof. So depending on decisions, it could be an indoor or an outdoor show, the latter with a unique view. This will be part of a back-to-back shows in the market as they are running the Prudential Center in Newark on September 15th. Now, now, this is kind of interesting because on, on, on the Wrestling Observer radio that dropped this morning, I was listening to it, and the story is Tony Khan Googled nicest stadiums, and Arthur Ashe Stadium came up as number three, called them up, said, hey, how'd you feel about doing a wrestling show? And they said, we're usually tennis, but okay. And they booked it. I, I find... I find the AEW not running big arena, but running secondary arena strategy to build themselves up 
to be a good one, but an interesting one. Because, like, when they come out to L.A., they're going to be at, like, Ontario, which is a good hour and a half drive from Los Angeles type of thing. But they're going to call it Los Angeles. This is an interesting thing. The the, the tickets are probably going to be a little bit cheaper than your basic WWE thing. They have a pretty good business model. And I'm kind of digging the eclectic the eclectic location choices. If you go back and you review some of the road schedule for WWF and WCW in the 1990s when wrestling was in its heyday, they are running a number of weirdo towns and stuff. And this whole, we only run the major, major metros model of professional wrestling is a, a, like a last 20 years sort of thing. Um, back in the day, it's like, you know, we're going to Grand Rapids, Iowa. Wilkes Bar, Pennsylvania. That's always yeah. the one that stuck but out to me. Lee Marshall was given these road reports from like places. It, it's like real reporting to me as a child because I didn't know that these places existed, let alone that Lee Marshall is not actually at them. I uh, was just calling from backstage probably uh, in a pre-tape. But yeah, no, like. I think that in California is getting a house show. And you're like, really? I, yeah. <laughs> I think that this is a good model. Um, I, I, the, when I saw TNA's Slammiversary about, I don't know, eight, nine years ago at that point, it was like 15 bucks to see Slammiversary. They're running in a secondary arena at a college in Fort Worth. Um, the show was full. Everyone there. I remember had a fantastic time. That audience was hot for that show. They had a lot of fun. It was a fun show. It was not a substantial life-changing event. It was not like World League Wrestling or whatever, but it was fun. Um, and at $25 to $30, um, people go in with a very different mentality than the price point that WWE likes to work at, which is closer to $75 to $100. At $75 to $100, um, if you are a 22, let's say 40 year old, a hundred bucks, you're going in there like with expectations, bro. Cause you could have done something else with that 20, with that hundred bucks for 20 bucks. Like, you know, like you could have went to a movie, but like, you know, if like you watch dudes get hit with steel chairs all afternoon, like, you know, you had fun, you had fun for 20 bucks. Mm -hmm. Um, at, for a hundred dollars. I am sorry. I want to see some. I want to see some stuff. Like, like I, I am here for work. I, I'm here for work, bro. Um, I want to see some stuff. I want to see a dead body, man. <laughs> like, they, I, you got to show. I could have bought a good bottle of bourbon for that much. What yeah. are you guys doing with it? Yeah, hundred dollars can give me a pretty good afternoon here. Uh, I make a couple of phone calls and have a good time uh, for a hundred bucks. <laughs> 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 so no, I, I think it changes the expectation. I think of <laughs> you. Is right to. <laughs> you, you care to expound on that, Chris? Are we talking? What are we talking? Hookers know, and blow? So, are we talking? You still want this to be a family show or something? Yeah, that's very true. Very true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hmm. Um. So bags yeah. of raisinets in the freezer. Yeah. Yeah. You know. yeah of course. Uh, raisin. Who doesn't love raisinets? Uh, you can go <laughs> hit the clearance aisle up at the local Tom Thumb. No, uh, I'm doing a flagship callback, but continue. <laughs> 
So, uh, yeah, no, I, I think that this price point that they're running at is good. Um, I, I think, like, really the only mistake they make is if you're running a show in Stockton, don't call it Los Angeles. Call it Stockton. Um, it's yeah. fine. And, and if you want to run Los Angeles, run Los Angeles. Oh, they're um, never, never going to call Stockton Los Angeles, but they may call Ontario, like Southern California or something. Okay. Like oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, not Stockton. Yeah, yeah. Ontario. Um, yeah, But, like, I don't, you know, Arthur Ashe, I think, is fine. It'll be interesting to see. Um. There's a big drop-off into the ring, so I don't know if they're going to raise the ring uh, or, like, into the actual tennis court. So I don't know if they're going to raise the tennis court or, like, raise the floor up or, like, how they're going to compensate for that. But, like, the staring down into the ring thing could be cool. It also could potentially be really bad angles in terms of exposing um, the work a little bit. Um, being that over the top might make it hard to uh, lose yourself in the illusions because you can see where the punches are glancing away. Uh, a lot of what makes wrestling work is that you're at eye level. And so the illusion is that I can put my hand up and like cover up stuff. If I'm looking straight down, just saying that with a magician, like if I'm looking straight down on a magician, I can see all the backhand passes and everything. Yeah, uh, one one last piece of news: ACH announcing his retirement. I man, I feel for that guy. That guy, when he left WWE, uh, he was wronged. He was purely wronged by their merchandise department. I'm I'm gonna say that 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 T-shirt that they did for him was racist, and of course, and then of course it went from there. Um, he had been working some New Japan strong shows of late but now that they're opening up to announce your retirement now i i just it's weird it has to be something to do with i just don't want to go out to the grind again to me i wonder I if there are injuries statement. I, there like i yeah i i wonder if there because no to your point um even if you're not like loving where your career's trajectory has gone to this point this next 24-month period for all of these performers is going to be a very good one for them um, and and could potentially be the best one uh, of the next five years. So, like, like it, I mean, it, it's entirely possible that we have, like, a nice little mini run fall with a nice little mini lull. Um, so if I was trying to, like, get my last licks in, in a business that pays pretty good for on-the-spot jobs, I would be going – I'd be finding a way to put my rally cap on for the next 15 months, if at all possible. Um, but, you know, injuries are certainly a thing that could preclude it. Um, as demoralizing as uh, professional interactions with WWE are, I mean, like, like, like look, um, a lot of these guys grow up – wanting to be in WrestleMania at some point, right? Like, like that is like a life goal for pretty much every performer, even when they're like, oh, yeah, no, I never wanted to work WrestleMania. Yeah, like, I'm not into that. Uh, and, like, when they were eight, yeah, oh, hell yeah, they were. Um, they, they did not go to wrestling training school and not go, you know, it'd be pretty cool if Vince saw something in me and let me have the big run. Um, like, of course, they all think that. Um, yeah, so, if yeah, you're, yeah, if you're two generations removed from me, WrestleMania is probably your dream. Like for me, it yeah. was Starcade. I always wanted sure. Starcade. But you know, after WCW dies, if you came into wrestling after that, it's WrestleMania. It has to be. Yeah, there's no further information about the retirement. It just says he yeah, his yeah, retirement. yeah. So I, I mean, I, I just it's it's unfortunate. Um, I I really do think he got a raw deal, and uh, it it sucks. Let's do this. I want your overall grade for how the wrestling industry handled the pandemic. 
and give me some losers and some winners uh, on your end. I'll I'll start with a grade. I think it was a B minus. I think uh, I I really thought that the wrestling industry would find some way to innovate. They did, but they innovated to try and keep the status quo going. If you know what I mean, the Thunderdome is an innovation, but the Thunderdome was invented to make it look like there was an actual raw slash SmackDown crowd. There wasn't anything that changed in the presentation of anything. It was mostly how do we keep live television going and how do we make it look like there are people in the audience? AEW just put a bunch of workers in the front row to cheer, gave a very nice atmosphere, I thought. But again, it was mostly how do we keep it to look like the shows that we were doing before the pandemic? So while I give everybody credit for the innovation, the innovation was to serve what had come before it as opposed to thinking outside of the box. So I give it a B minus you. Um, I think I'm going to go a full letter grade lower. I'm going to give it a C minus. Um, I, okay. I think it's, it's just where I shake out on this. I, I agree with you. Like if someone says they didn't innovate at all during this period, it's, it's patently false. It's the, the issue is that the innovations are, as you said, return to normalcy innovations um, how can we make this as normal as possible as soon as possible rather than how do we work within like how do we take the limitations and the minuses and the restrictions and view them as liberating forces to to allow us to explore new things it all of the restrictions and limitations only served as limiting forces they never used it to spark innovation um the the big innovation, I guess you could say, in the best utilization of these limiting forces were these pre-tape matches, um, up to and including the greatest wrestling match ever. <laughs> ever. I can't believe I'm giving it a C minus. How how could I stand here? Ever, huh? That the greatest wrestling match ever uh was uh part of this C minus era. But I I mean, like I think that that's sort of the problem and the greatest wrestling match ever was not like the worst one of them that was that the greatest wrestling match ever was actually okay um but it also was like you know part of a long randy orton and edge saga um i i think that a lot of the feuds and angles during this time were pretty lackluster i think that in an era where you could do really cool long form pre-tapey sort of stuff um wwe didn't do it i think they had they did a better job the one time they had the blizzard and they were forcibly snowed in and had to do pre-tapes um, with Brock Lesnar building up to Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns than anything they at came their up with. At headquarters, the one that they did at, at the their headquarters. headquarters that time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. than anything they came up with here during the COVID era. Um, and then lastly, and this is a big part of the C-minus thing, is this adjustment. Like, we can never, even if you want to say they settled into something that you enjoyed, um, WWE specifically, uh, but AEW's had their own problems with their shop, uh, uh, sometimes being referred to as sloppy. Um, WWE actively fought acknowledging and recognizing that COVID-19 was a real problem. Um, they they fought trying to do rest When everything else was shutting down, Vince McMahon wanted to be one of the last frigging things open. Um, and like actually, I mean, was trying to force the issue um, and we and publicly, and we have no idea how much behind the scenes, of still keeping wrestlemania going in florida which would have been a massive super spreader event at, at that point in the pandemic which would have been 
extraordinarily ill-advised and would have put Florida in a really horrible situation. Um, and then after that, Vince was sloppy about how much he wanted to actually put his foot down, uh, making requirements of workers to be safe, how much on-site screening was going to be done, um, which is why you saw mini outbreak after mini outbreak in WWE's approach was to try to play coy with how bad all of these outbreaks were. Um, so like, I, I don't think that they did a very good job running a safe operation. I think that there's a real argument to be made given the performance during this time period. Granted, no one died. I, literally the bet, the best argument they have for, Oh, well, they shouldn't have shut it down entirely is, well, we did keep it open. A lot of people got infected, but nobody died. Okay. Uh, like that, that's not where I would like to live my life in a debate, but like, it's certainly an argument. Um, and then we get into like, like the Thunderdome. Um, I don't think the Thunderdome as an innovation is aesthetically pleasing. I don't think it adds anything. Um, I think it's, that it's they, not, and it's not fun to be in for me. I, I mean, maybe for a kid, it'd be fun, but for yeah. adults, I don't, I don't see how it's fun to have a producer yelling at you to cheer all the time. I just, I don't understand, but I understand yeah. at the same time. Go ahead. No, I, I understand. But like, you know, and then, I mean, let's talk about the Royal of the Thunderdome. Let us not forget the dude in the clan outfit. Let us not forget <laughs> the decapitation video. Um, there were they, some things that had to be ironed out. <laughs> that should have been ironed out. Never should have been on the air. Right? <laughs> like, 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 so they weren't even really ready on day one. I had forgotten many... about the Klansmen. Thanks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That yeah. Thing. No, like they uh... were not ready for any of this stuff. Um, And so because I think there was a belief that was held by many that we were going to get over this thing. It was going to go away lickety split, maybe like a miracle or like a magic trick, like the, the storm would lift. Um, it'd be like uh, Stephen King's The Mist. The Mist would one day just sort of pull away and everything would be OK. And like. That's just simply not how this played out. Um, and I think that as a business, um, it behooves one as a business owner to not act or not be dependent on essentially the storm just dissipating magically one day and uh, be for, sort of forward looking. And I don't think WWE in particular was. Um, so I have a hard time kind of like giving them the big salute. And then when it comes to AEW, they were better at it. I think that the aesthetics of the um, the locker room out around the ring works better in terms of creating mood and ambiance um, than what, you know, like the Thunderdome or whatever. But, you know, uh, I, I think to your point, they didn't use it very effectively. I don't think that they necessarily used having the entire locker room out around the ringside as a great narrative through line to write every episode, which I think would actually be a fun way of doing it. They did it from time to time, but they never really thought about like, okay, if you're actually going to make the locker room no longer backstage and now ringside, like when there's a post-match beatdown, why aren't the baby faces hopping over the rail and make trying to make the save? Um, there, there are actually some problems with the, the locker room being ringside that I think were created that were never really worked out either. So, so many of these innovations that I would earnestly call innovations, I think the execution and the thought process on the innovations needed work. So, I mean, look, uh, I'm not going to sit here and be like, F they're horrible. Um, again, no one died. Right. Like, and that does matter. I know, I, I know like it's a laugh line or whatever, but like, look, if WWE, 
Ted had bar is what I was thinking. Not necessarily. No, I, 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 I feel, no, I feel you. I, and it's like a morbid bar. Like, like it's not something I'm trying to make light of, but I, I'm just like F for me would be WWE ran a pay-per-view like payback. Like they didn't run WrestleMania, but they ran payback. They had an outbreak that ended up killing three members on the card of that show. Not, not a laughing matter. Um, but they had a match and the referee and the two participants in the match all end up hospitalized and one of them dies. That would be an F for me, right? Like, especially if WWE kept running. And so that's what I'm trying to calibrate against. And no, like, no, I, I don't think it's funny. Um, I don't, I don't like people who make light of this because like, here's the reality. Like my mom has friends who died during this pandemic from COVID-19. Um, like this so is like you know, it, the separation and the reality of it. Um, and most people, I bet you a lot of people listening to this show know somebody or know somebody who knows somebody who died because of COVID-19. So like, no, I'm not trying to make light of it. I'm just, when I'm saying C minus, I'm putting it in the tier of, yeah, there are outbreaks, but they are like also not, you know, there were not deaths and then they continued onwards, which is exceedingly low bar, but F's a failing grade. F's a failing grade. Going to do some losers and winners off the top of my head. I'll give you some time to think because I just threw this on you as opposed to telling you ahead of time. Uh, Big loser for me, one of them, is the NWA. The NWA pretty much got decimated by this thing. You lost talent in Ricky Starks and Thunder Rosa, um, who I believe are both signed by AEW now. Um, you know, you're trying to get back up and running, but you really didn't in the empty studio era. Less than 500 buys for your last pay-per-view. I mean, guys asking for releases the entire time. Zicky Dice asked for a release. Uh, you know, the, the question mark passing away was a huge blow to them, I think, as well for a lot of their goodwill. So, yeah, NWA is on my list of a loser. Uh, Non-top-tier WWE talent who were let go in that first set of cuts. I'm thinking specifically of the AOP, who are both working straight jobs apparently right now because they had nowhere to go. Um, for a while, uh, Tessa Blanchard, big loser here, the way that she dealt with the impact world title and then having everything shut down and having nowhere to go when you kind of needed star power and nobody wanted to touch her because of how that exit went. I think that's pretty big. I know a lot of people will disagree that there's other baggage there, but I think the way that she had to give up that impact title did not help. Uh, I'm trying to think of someone else, you know, just in general, any indie worker had a really hard time. The smaller companies had a really hard time in this whole thing. Most found a way to make it work. The indies, you know, the indie workers really got hit hard here. And because they had, they couldn't do one-offs for the weekend and stuff because you weren't having those smaller shows. Uh, winners. <laughs> it's very weird to talk about winners in this day and age, but there were some. I mean, you have to admit, Impact really did a good job of recovering, I thought, and not a lot of not as a lot is said about that. Uh, even up through this Omega story, they've reshuffled, they've revised. Once they saw what other people were doing, they kind of copied that a bit, but they've reloaded with some pretty good talent. 
some of the cast-offs from WWE, admittedly, but really one of the strengths of their promotion is how they've reloaded their women's division, I think. Their knockouts division, or I, I call it women's division, whatever they want to use as their thing, but they've made it. I've watched a few episodes. It's not worth covering from week to week, but they're interesting, and they've had talent go in and out of there that's been kind of interesting. Quite a few talent who have left other promotions have done kind of well. FTR, after an initial stumble, did. Miro has found his footing, I think, in AEW finally. Ethan Page going to Impact and now to AEW has been pretty good. Josh Alexander in Impact has been pretty great as of late. Deanna Perrazzo, I think, is a winner. In the WWE slash NXT universes themselves, I think Bailey, even up through this terrible storyline with Bianca, has shown that she is now counted on by that company to carry certain stories. Oh, and she's totally evolved into yes. this. Like, like, remember when it was weird and it didn't seem to fit? Like, I was watching... I mean, this story yeah. sucks, but I was watching her. I mean, she looks she looks like the part she's playing now. She does not... I no longer see She's Baby confident. In, she's confident in the character now, and it shows a little bit, rather than I'm trying to find who this character is type of thing. I think Bobby Lashley is a big winner in this. Even even with the debacle with the hurt business, MVP has to be a definitive winner too. MVP, yes, uh, especially, uh, yeah, because he's carried half of Raw in my estimation. I mean, and they have asked him to carry Raw pretty much since day one when they had him do the MVP lounge and turn heel on a whim. They had him do that one comeback match. Where like he was a baby face, and then they they immediately did the lounge and like you're top heel. You are now on this show. You are going to be the guy that we are going to move all the dialogue through. That is going to have to carry like the Drew interactions and all of that sort of stuff. So no, I think that that's a fair one for sure. I think both Kaylee Ray and Pat McAfee have had good quarantine years. Um, Pat McAfee has pretty much done everything now and is now an announcer, which means he doesn't have to get hurt anymore. He had one Kayla. of the few really great matches during the pandemic era. I would count two. I would count the war games as a great match uh, that's for also him true. as well. That's all. Yeah, but that solo match with Adam Cole was was fantastic. Uh, way better than yes. it that it had any yes. business being. And yes. now he's now he's a top commentator on SmackDown, and like I think, especially you know, for whatever it's worth among the wrestling commentariat. All of us look at McAfee as like a real gamer. Like this is this is he's mm -hmm. a real dude. He's a real entity in wrestling. And like if anyone said, "Oh, take Pat McAfee seriously," he's just an athlete cosplay. I'd be like, "No, dude. Like he's like <laughs> as serious as anyone." Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there there are others that I'm I was forgetting. I was just kind of doing this on the fly, trying to think of winners and losers. All right, um, all right. So I got some then. Um, okay. I think. Bray Wyatt, obviously a big loser in all of this. Um, you yes. know, issues aside, the, the rebranding and repackaging of the feed again and again and again <laughs> and again. Um, the matches all sucked. Everyone knows the matches sucked. Um, the angle had no direction after the initial Bray Wee's Playhouse um, and, and the original like sort of meta ribs on like various aspects of the business. Once Bray was no longer allowed to do any of those, they stunk. Um, and now the Fiend's gimmick, insofar as it has still survives, it's now been poured onto Alexa Bliss for like an all-time bad ankle. Um, so obviously a loser in this. Uh, Bliss Keith Lee also Keith Lee also a loser, I think too. Yeah, even though his health, his health is like a full loser, despite having the Fiend angle. No, 
Yeah, like, I, like even I, though the yeah. Phoenix stuff sucks, it's like clearly this company likes her. So I, I don't know. Yes. That, yeah, so, but yes, Keith Lee, obvious loser. They brought him up. They had him beat Randy Orton. Then, like, he's a non-entity. And, like, it's clear that, like, Vince is not interested in the dude. Um, Ricochet, obvious loser. Daniel Bryan, <laughs> obvious loser. Um, Shayna Baszler, um, last year, like, my loser of the year, uh, continues to just be the loser of the year. And I want to stress that when I say this, I am a huge Shayna Baszler fan. I think that, like, her brand of, like, stiffness and intensity is sorely needed in professional wrestling largely, and it stinks that, like, you know, she's been stuck in this Reginald gimmick here for the last, like, what seems like an eternity, um, and stuck in this horrible tag team with Nia Jax for what seems like an let eternity. Me, let me ask you an interesting one, because this is one that can go either way, I think, depending on how you're looking at it. Edge. That's a good one. I, I was actually going to – I had him sort of, like, in the back of my pocket – I gotta say, I think loser. After, loser. After the, loser, after the right? Big after the big Royal Rumble entrance, and everybody excited, and then we get the greatest wrestling match ever after the after the WrestleMania match with Orton, I believe, and then we do this Royal the this Roman Reigns story when he comes back, and it and it starts to falter, and then they turn him heelish, and then they have to add Daniel Bryan in there. And and a guy they were clearly not interested in. I mean, mm -hmm. now, now in hindsight, now that we've gotten away from WrestleMania and Daniel Bryan's not even on the roster anymore, I like okay to answer your question. It's got to be a loser, right? Like if, loser. if Daniel Bryan was the guy that they wanted to make one more run with, so that when they got back into arenas, they could have yes chance, which wouldn't have been a bad business move, by the way. Um, like if they they wanted to make a move and get the belt on him, and they were doing all that to do that. Okay, fine. Clearly now, looking back on April, only a few months ago, um, we can now say with some certitude, no, they had no plans for Daniel Bryan. He's gone. Uh, and the whole reason we added Bryan into this storyline was not to build this a match with Edge because Daniel Bryan's gone. It's because we don't trust Edge. Um, we're pulling the ripcord on Edge. So, like, on one hand, Edge got a payday that maybe arguably he shouldn't have gotten. Uh, like, um, And... That's good for him, so he's sort of a winner. But on the other hand, like, WWE lost interest in him. And Edge could be over in AEW getting wildly overpaid by Tony Khan to hang out with his best friend Christian. So, like, you know, working with your best buddy um, and getting to do, you know, getting to get your shit in, uh, especially with Edge, Christian, and Jericho over there. Like, Edge could be doing that, and right now he's contractually locked in with WWE. So I'm going to say loser. I think, I, I think I've talked myself into loser. Okay, any any winners in your list? Reggie Bechdel, obvious winner. Um, <laughs> and, and, no, no, I, okay, here's the thing. He stinks. Like, obviously, I hate Reggie Bechdel. Uh, I hate this character. I have no, like, opinion on the man. I'm sure he's a fine human being, loves his mother and all that. Um, Vince but the loves him. Vince that loves him. Vince yeah. loves him. So how do you tell me that Reggie Bechdel, a guy who has no business um, in any of this match, a guy who has no finisher, has no definitive finisher. Um, has like like a limited entrance thing. He went from being Carmella's valet to being like How this, dare you? He's a sommelier. Sommelier, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh to to getting elevated into this let's move an entire division of narrative through this guy. Rightly or wrongly, um, and I think we've made it very clear on this show that we consider it to be wrongly, rightly or wrongly. Reginald Bechdel Jr. the third uh, is <laughs> is a clear winner during this era. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, if that's what you're going to lead with, I'm just going to cut off and move on. Um, yeah, so we'll see what's going on. Uh, looks like WWE is kind of uh, putting in new toys, but let's do some ice. Before we get to main roster, let's do ice cold takeover takes because you hated this show, and I thought it was just perfectly inoffensive. I thought it... It lived up to what it was supposed to be. Yeah, the French have a word, Jeff. It's called resentment. Uh, you know, uh, resentment. Yeah, yeah. You like that? No, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. Uh, yeah, uh, resentment. Educated. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. Uh-huh. I, 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 I learn things. <laughs> I learn things occasionally. Um, and then I, I later informed that I learned things wrong. Um, like, look, dude. Uh, I'm trying to figure out what's to like on this show. I'm going back, and I'm like, was I too hard on this show? And I'm just going to just name the matches real quick. And I, I just I want to figure out which one I'm supposed to get excited for. The winner takes all. So for our mid-card singles title and also our tag team titles, the nondescript tag team champions and uh, the guy that they made United States champion or uh, what North American champion or whatever, they're going up against the good heel faction that people actually like and have actual character development. Um, so that that happened. Then we have Mercedes Martinez. Hold on. Th- okay, let, let's go. Okay, this match I thought was good. I th- think think that this was my favorite match of the, of, of the show because okay, I thought if that's your favorite match, then you are your favorite match is a stupid gimmick match. Um, it is dumb <laughs> to have the mid card North American title be decided yes, in a it's trios dumb. match. I'm not, so, I'm so not that's, arguing like, the that's booking. That's the bar. I'm no, not- that's the bar. So like, how is so this you want to good- argue the booking? You don't want to argue yes. the matches. Then I'm okay. sorry. It, okay. Like, like, okay, you can tell me that the acting in a television show is good, but if the plot is stupid as hell, okay, it's not no, a good television point, show. Point made. Uh, point yeah. well made. Continue. Yeah. Like, so that that's where I'm at. Like, I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that Bronson Reed and MSK are bad wrestlers. They are not. Um, and for as cold as I am on Bronson Reed as a character in the way that they present him, whatever, I think he's actually an okay big man wrestler. I really do. He's totally fine. He's a, a minimum inoffensive. Um, but I actually think he's okay. Um, MSK, good young tag team, going to develop, going to get better over the next several years here, very much in the early part of their prime years. Great. Um, Legado del Fantasma, we love Raul Mendoza. I love my man, King Cuerno. Um, like, you know, like th- this is a great, this is a great team. Um, it, Joaquin Wild, if Joaquin Wild is the worst guy in a match, and he's not a bad wrestler. Um, you obviously have a good match on your hands. It's that the premise of this match is stupid. Um, and the, the the finish of this match was also stupid because, like, Legato really should have won this because if you really believed in Bronson Reed, you'd never put him in this situation in the first place. If you really believed in Bronson Reed, he would have been holding down this mid-card of the show that, like, so sorely needed a good, competent, normal match in it. Next match. Next match. Uh, um, we have Zia Lee with Boa defeating Mercedes Martinez in seven minutes and 39 seconds. Like, w- 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 let's let's break this down, Jeff. Why did I hate this one? Why did I hate this one, Jeff? You want to take a guess? Before I, uh, I because of the, 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 the because you like Mercedes and she's better than Zaya, even though she was there to put Zaya over. And you probably hated the heat segment afterwards with the uh, Tongan death grip afterwards as a yes. finishing move yeah no like let's let's actually start with the finish segment and work our way backwards because the finishing segment is essentially the negating force for the entire purpose of the match 
So okay. we have a build up. We have a build up into this match. As you recall, Jeff, I know You've had that coffee, you, haven't you? You've had I have, coffee I'm, today. I, okay. you, know, you said last time you liked me when I'm jazzed up. I'm jazzed up. All right. Uh, here we yeah, go. yeah. So you remember, of course, four years ago, um, how you were traumatized after the May Young Classic. I remember you calling me up and going, Chris, <laughs> I can't hold it together. Some of these, some of the outcomes in this show tonight have been just really beyond the pale. Uh, some great injustices have been enacted, and I hope that the cosmos will right these wrongs at some point down the line. Um, and I was excited for you because this is the opportunity posed in this match. Finally, Zia Lee was going to get her grand get back on Mercedes Martinez, and that's the front end of this match. Like, okay. like that's that's the donkey or like that's the donkey's head. Now on the back end of this match, we attached a hippopotamus tail um, of Mercedes Martinez confronting and proving that she's a real badass ready to go up against Zia Lee's boss. So the problem here is that the front end of the match, the head and the tail are utterly disconnected from one another. Part of this is supposed to be Zia Lee having gone through this Tian Sha re-innovation is now tougher, stronger, seasoned Mercedes Martinez, who, you know, wants a little bit tougher in that now down a peg. Maybe she doesn't have the eye of the tiger so much anymore. And now Zia Lee does. And Zia Lee overcomes Mercedes Martinez. And then after the match, everything starts falling apart. Mercedes Martinez immediately starts getting her heat back um, on Zia Lee, on Boa, um, and then goes and confronts, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, I know it's Karen Q, but I can't remember, like, or... It's, it's fine to say Karen Q. Dragon, yeah, yeah. thousand-year-old dragon lady. Thousand you want to call. The thousand-year-old dragon lady. Um, and, and, and she goes up there. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm badass. I just kicked your two henchmen's asses. Okay, yes, you did. You absolutely did. But the whole story of the match was supposed to be that that hench lady um, had finally overcome the odds of the grand injustices from the Mae Young Classic all those years ago. And, like... Whatever badassery and buildup that we did on Zia Lee is utterly negated. One, by the fact that Zia Lee decides that she needs the chair at the end of the match. Like, she should have been so high on her own shit after knocking out Mercedes Martinez that she shouldn't even been like, I need the chair. Or if she needed the chair, it should have been prompted by Thousand-Year-Old Dragon Lady and not Boa. Um, like, the, the fact that Zia Lee is taking orders from Boa and not the other way around was the wrong dynamic for that match. Boa should have been there as the valet to Zia Lee. Um, but then, like, the fact that Mercedes Martinez then kicks both Boa and Zia Lee's ass at the end of this match, what a, it felt like a lucky kick. If I wanted to really harmonize this and not think of it as, like, donkey head hippopotamus tail and try to think of it as one beast, it's that Zia Lee fluked a lucky kick, um, but she's not actually better than Mercedes Martinez. And I know that because Mercedes Martinez kicked her ass in the hobby. It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random, innocuous, 
round bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's gonna be junk you're you you know what i mean like you know what you're probably gonna get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh, hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you get a display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net, arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And her very tall, very rangy male valet's ass and then went up and like went and stood down their boss and was like, I'm going to kick your ass now. So, like, no, this match stunk because its job was to build up Zia Lee, um, and then it got lost in this other task of building up Mercedes Martinez, and if it's supposed to be graded on a v- as a vehicle for building up Mercedes Martinez, I thought it stunk. She lost the match, and then she got hit with the Tongan spear. Why do I want to see Mercedes Martinez go up against the thousand-year-old dragon lady? Fair. Fair point, Chris. N- now, now, match- now you see why I didn't like it? Yes, yes. I you're you're convincing me to hate this show even more, even though I was thought it was perfectly inoffensive. Uh <laughs> ladder match between LA Knight and Cameron Grimes to the moon um for the million dollar title. We'll go over the post show thing after we get done with our ice cold takes. But uh, you know, I thought Cameron Grimes did most of the work here. I thought it was perfectly inoffensive. LA Knight's, thought- yeah, LA Knight's just not very good, is he? He's 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 not he's not bad. This but is he's not, not he's match. not very you good. Are not, yeah, you are not you're not going to give him the stunt show match and be impressed with L.A. Knight. That's the thing is it was this is weird this is like him. watching yeah. this is like watching the Razor Ramon one two three kid ladder match from SummerSlam, which at the time you're watching and going that's an awesome match and it's still an awesome match. But if you show it to a twenty year old wrestling fan who's been watching guys do money in the bank dives and multiple ladder spots and things like that. They're going to look at that and go, "Uh, it's quaint, you know? Oh yeah. Like the big spot in the Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon match, I believe is a superplex off of the ladder, which at the time was Mm -hmm. like, 
utter devastation. How does anyone yes. get back up from that? But like, you know, L.A. Knight is L.A. Knight is it's like putting Arn Anderson and I'm not comparing him to Arn Anderson in terms of that total package, but putting a guy like Arn Anderson in a ladder match. It, it's just it's oil and water it's just not gonna mix I, I like so to bring this back like i think la knight has things to offer a little bit like yes. like character wise and stuff um i liked him in nwa i think I'm gonna, that he, i'm gonna put him over when we go over nxt so yeah no i think continue. he's i think he's a totally fine character um i think he's a great promo i, I really do um i and i actually thought that if you're enjoying him here on NXT um, and you like want to see him do a little bit more, I thought some of the work he was doing in NWA before he departed from NWA, mm-hmm. where he was really able to explore like the NWA space, where like you can go to the announcer's booth and you can go to the interview station. and All those sorts of things play perfectly into what LA Knight is good at, Eli Drake is good at. Um, this yep. match was 20 minutes. Y- yup. Uh, that's, I, we watched the episode where he like really kind of like settled in on that as like a thing. Um, mm-hmm. I think that this match was 20 minutes of really misused time because, yeah, Eli Drake is just simply not a good ladder match, dude. Um, I like Cameron Grimes. I think Cameron Grimes is great. Um, he's obviously very over. Um, yes. And like, and that's cool. Uh, he's going but, to be a winner when live crowds come back. If absolutely. Come back. Yeah, yeah, no, if they I, come back to the Capitol Wrestling Center. And I, you know knows? what? I'll even go further to walk us back. I know you're upset with Reggie Bechtel. Um, I don't want to live there forever. But like Cameron Grimes, clearly a winner. Um, he found this okay. GameStop gimmick. Um, and <laughs> no, I for real, dude. Like, like yeah. he took it. He took it. And I mean, like, like many pieces of great art. He took an element from his real life found a way to incorporate it into his artwork and it yields great art. Uh, yeah, he made a lick on some, uh, meme stocks. He's now got this hillbilly meme stock character. It's great. It's timely. Um, he can work it convincingly. And like people are slowly starting to fall in love with Cameron Grimes as this like lovable, like clown character. I like him. Um, but I, I just didn't think this is a good showcase for him. And I think Grimes could have had a better match in a ladder match context with nearly anyone on the roster. So like yeah yeah I mean I was waiting for this to be over um and oh and even worse I was waiting for someone else to come out there and like kind of push Eli Drake out of the way because I didn't necessarily think like Eli Drake was like is the right guy to be the inheritor to the million dollar man legacy which like I guess we get some follow up on that on on you know Tuesday's show and like that's the idea now but I also view like that's a concession like 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 yeah okay we did sort of book this whole million dollar man angle and not actually come up with someone who'd actually be a worthy inheritor to the million dollar man legacy. Cause even Grimes, um, sort of the whole, whole conceit of Grimes build to this is that like, he's actually, even though he's hillbilly money or whatever now, um, you know, meme stock money, it doesn't actually like quite work with the million dollar man refined class, you know, debonair sort of thing. Women's title match. I will agree with you on this was, trade disappointing because it didn't last that long it told a dumb story of waiting for Shotzi to come out after I mean I y'all know I love I love me some Dakota Kai but after the 13th time of her interfering (laughs) finally finally Shotzi's had enough uh, Amber should be back. mad at Shotzi because she didn't come out sooner like like yes the, the most narratively satisfying storyline coming out of this will be ember is now mad at shotzi because shotzi like let dakota kai do crappy thing after crappy thing and only after the umpteenth time did shotzi finally come out um 
No, this is I was disappointed. I'm actually a big Ember Moon fan. Um, I, 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 I think that she's just not got enough burn. I, they, they didn't, she was a loser during this pandemic. They didn't really see what they had in her on the main roster. That's I, right. I, I just think I forgot, I, for, star, I, for, I forgot about, I forgot about that reintroduction of Ember yep. Moon with Tony Storm and just how, how it just sucked all the energy out of the room at once. Yep. Uh, and then the main event was basically carrying cross getting put over by four smaller guys. It felt like an NXT TV main event to me in many ways it, this is the one that had really like when i sent you the message which had some expletives which i will not re recite here on the show um this is what really moved me into uh the french resentment territory here um okay so you want to establish carrying cross as the most dominant champion ever like if you really wanted to do that book him in a series of singles matches with each one of these guys where he's just cutting through them like a buzzsaw this basically destroyed your entire heavyweight division because i don't give a shit i'm gonna use one of my square words on this one i don't give a shit about pete dunn or cool kyle or uh, adam cole or any of these like these guys are like they're stupid to me now uh, oh, who's the other guy who was in there? Oh, Johnny Gargano. Um, I, as I said last week, I didn't believe that any of them had a chance of winning this. I didn't think any of them should. I thought it would have been a mistake. I, you made an interesting case on Gargano. Uh, I think I actually would have liked this match more if Gargano had managed to find a banana peel victory after Kerry Cross is dominating the entire roster. Uh, I think that actually would have been more narratively satisfying in a way. Because once Cross goes over, oh, by the way, Cross, the guy most likely on this roster and in this main event to not be on the NXT card here soon enough like he's going to graduate up to the main roster then we're going to be left with the goober squad who you watched at the last pay-per-view event all like get their get their asses handed to them so the like goober squad one of the goober okay. squad eventually here the, the great goobers of nxt are going to be belted as the future champion and like who cares about goober gargano or, or goober pete dunn or, or goober goober o'reilly or Adam oh, Goober. no, O'Reilly's fighting for the cruiserweight title, according to the Tuesday yes, NXT. That's right, so yeah. Just... I, the, like, yeah, ah. so, like, like how, how how cool is Goober O'Reilly? Cooled off O'Reilly. Yeah, cooled, <laughs> cooled off, off O'Reilly. Yeah, yeah, cooled off Kyle, yeah, for yeah, sure. There no, we go. He, yeah, he's not even getting Adam Cole. He's, like, he's he's, he's got, you Well, know, he is. He is getting Adam is. Cole in two weeks at the, but, but, at, but at the after, Great American Bash. The, the, maybe maybe it'll be for the cruiserweight title jeff oh my god yeah, yeah like maybe That'd be terrible that would yeah, be no, terrible versus him losing a kushida next week in the build to the his match with adam cole um also gonna be great uh, no like, like i just like these guys are all goobers at the end of this match and you can say okay it was a dominant performance for carrying cross he needed a dominant performance the the presentation of carrying cross has been fairly inconsistent he needed to really sort of stick the landing here and prove that inside the ropes he's a tough guy um and that there's the promos and you have uh <laughs> Scarlett, and she's like <laughs> but when he gets in the ropes he's a real shit kicker and he can kick everyone's ass um that's all well and good but he's not gonna be there in three or four months <laughs> <laughs> if you if you, you gotta go to Voices of Wrestling on YouTube and watch Chris's Scarlet Bordeaux impression. <laughs> Just, oh, okay. Ad read. Ad read. Ah, uh, support. <laughs> Fallen prey.
Uh, support for Shake Them Ropes is brought to you by Manscaped, who is best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments, provide you the best tools for your grooming experience, and Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners, 20% off plus free shipping with the code ROPES at manscaped.com. Now, they hooked us up with their Perfect Package 3.0, Pretty nice thing we got here. We have the Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. And uh, if you've ever cut yourself down there, uh, it is no fun. It is no fun bleeding below the belt at all. And hey, don't want to use the same trimmer you use on your face as your balls. That's just gross, guys. But uh, this Lone Mower 3.0 comes inside the brand new Perfect Package 3.0, which comes with everything you need to keep trimmed, cut-free, and smelling nice down there because they give you the Crop Preserver, which is anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Got to put it down where the duck butter forms. And then you also get the Crop Reviver, which along with the Crop Preserver keeps your balls from sweating, smelling, and sticking. And plus, if you order this, they give you two free gifts in the perfect package. A pair of high-performance Manscaped boxer briefs that let your boys breathe, baby, and (laughs) keep your junk feeling fresh all day, and a travel shed bag to store all your grooming goodies. So trim that junk of yours, get 20% off and free shipping with the code ROPES, R-O-P-E-S, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using code ROPES. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. So we got about a half hour to go. Let's uh, let's do some quick hits and then do a Hell in the Cell preview. What do you say, Chris? Turn on. I'm into it. I'm into it. The okay. mic is on. The mic is on. I'm, the, the, uh, I'm fired I'll, up I'll and ready the, to go. I'll go with the theme of debuts or reintroductions because I believe we had a f- four or five toll going across all the shows. Piper Niven introduced as Eva Marie's bodyguard slash trainee slash mentee, whatever the yeah, she's like not, switch. She's not, yeah, she's not a bodyguard, right? Like we've already really established no, she, that like Eva does not like Piper Niven and is disgusted by Piper Niven's like yes. and it's appearance going to take and lack of beauty. For everything. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we were alerted to this a few weeks back. We stated that this was going to be a terrible... We said to the person who told us this, this is a terrible idea. (laughs) But Vince, apparently very high on Piper, had wanted to use her for a while during this pandemic period. Possibly... Uh, Big loser here, uh, Naomi, who uh, Piper just... (laughs) Uh, Naomi, once a a WrestleMania entrance that you'd wait for, decimated in this. Somewhat loser Piper Niven here because despite pushing people to watch product on Peacock all this time, nobody on commentary knew her name. Probably because they were going to rebrand her. It looks like they have now trademarked the name Dewdrop, D-O-U-D-R-O-P, or Dowdrop, if you really want to. She'd have a stock market gimmick and go d-o-w-d-r-o-p and deeper with cameron grimes that'd be that'd be actually (laughs) hilarious that would be actually hilarious and awesome like cameron grimes and piper niven as like an actual like couple power bit like the hillbilly here comes the amc AMC short sell off the top rope as piper jumps onto an opponent 
Oh, God. What? Why not just call her Viper? Or Oh, well, you can't call her Viper because Randy Orton's a Viper. Can't call her Piper Niven because that's that's one of those weird NXT names. We're going to call her Dewdrop. All right. Great. I thought she looked good despite the ridiculousness of this entire gimmick. I think the gimmick I, I is really cringe. I do not like the single name Dewdrop gimmick. Like No, single so, names so, are death. No, it, are it, death. It, we know especially that. With, especially with her presentation. Um oh. like the there was like the hugging, the hugging the, after the match. And, and the debut though, like like yeah. everything I what it evoked and I I want to say this as sensitively as possible. It's just the first thing that came to mind when I was watching it on television. Earthquake it's like bullying. It's a no, bullying she, story. But she too. she yeah. looked earthquake. like she looked like yeah. earthquake. Yeah, and like dewdrop Dewdrop is like an earthquake sort of name, and like I, I just like we're we're not in that era anymore. You know, uh, we're just we're just not. I think this is going to get a chant that we have not seen in a long time. Once this is put in front of audiences, depending on how long this runs and if he still has interest in it. CM Punk. I think I think Mr. Punk is going to be making an appearance during these during these segments. Unfortunately, I'm not saying oh, yeah. you guys should do it if you're going. Do not do it, but I think it will. I mean, look, I think one of the things that WWE is going to be dealing with, and, and probably to a much lesser extent because the audience is more, much more cheering them on, um, AEW, but specifically WWE, they're going to be dealing with a bit of an audience mutiny on some of these angles that they have not had any checking on um, up mm -hmm. to this point. Like, and Vince does not know what stinks. And it's pretty clear that, like, the new TV executives and, like, Nick Khan and these guys also do not know what stinks when it comes to a wrestling television program. And I think some of these live events might be an education as to what wrestling fans think is not good wrestling. Um, Cause I think some of these guys have absolutely no idea. Got a chance to see almost again in the ring during this raw minorly improved, but still a lot of work to do there to be at a level he, where he's, he's no Braun Strowman. No. And speaking of which we'll get to that too. General Aziz <laughs> having to wrestle in the jacket and the getup. He okay. He looked, like, I've got like several liked, Aziz jokes. I I've got well, one. I okay, okay. Well, keep, keep, keep your Aziz jokes for a moment. I am going to give a little bit of context here because I don't want to seem like I'm a hater of Aziz. Because Baba Tunde on that Evolve show on the network, that first one they did, pretty darn good. I thought for his level and for a big guy has not looked good at the greatest Royal Rumble or at, what is it, that under, uh, Raw Underground was not I, although, terribly. Although the Dabakato build up until the time when he lost to Broad Strowman, uh, the, the time that he inexplicably lost to Broad Strowman, which in hindsight looks ridiculously stupid, the actual build of him through Raw Underground, he was the, literally the only winner in Raw Underground, in, in the Raw Underground era. Everything else made absolutely no sense other than the sustaining Dabakato push. He looked a little lost in this match, trying to set up his spots that were going to get him over a little bit. I, I think the don't make him wrestle in this costume. Get him something he can move in, please. For God's sakes, that's not on him. That's not his fault that he has to wrestle in a suit jacket, pretty much, with with a rope hanging around and just he's things dressed up flying. like Michael Jackson, circa nineteen ninety three in the black and white video. <laughs> uh, I mean, like what? What him and Apollo's promo 
going into this was like into caricature territory. Um, I mm-hmm. like you have Apollo Cruz, you have Dabakato, Babatunde, whatever you want to call him. Um, Aziz. Yeah, yeah. Whatever you want to call him, like these two guys as an actual tag team would make a great heel, small guy, big guy tag team, especially yes. with Apollo as the brains of the operation, sort of like leading and orchestrating the matches and stuff. If they didn't have to do all this ridiculous character work for characters that are not fully thought out. So like these characters suck and this gimmick is really dependent on intense levels of character work through gimmicks that stink. Um, and then we can get into General Aziz, I mean, like, or Commander Aziz, um, a, a person who, like, they've given so little thought to, not only, like, you know, what is what is the relationship to Apollo? Does he command uh, Aziz? Like, 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 or is Aziz just, like, an ex-military guy who Apollo So you're retired? saying, hold on, hold on, you're saying he's commanded Aziz? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm no like I don't understand like the does Aziz like you know like, w- w- there's no backstory. He's the head of the army. He's the head of his army of, yeah, of I, Ugandan so army, he, I guess. So, I, okay, so like he's not even yeah he's not even like just like a unit commander. He's like 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 a general. Um, and, yes. You know, there's just which is ridiculous at his age. The um, most thought they gave to him. The most the most thought they gave to him is we don't want to spell Aziz like the As normal is. way. We're gonna yeah. yeah. <laughs> We we have to spell it A Z E E Z. Oh, and a let's add a few more I'm E's and Z's. Sure. Z's. A, a spelling I'm pretty sure you don't find anywhere in the world. Uh, I might be wrong on that. I'm willing to learn. Um, but I feel like A Z I Z is the more standard spelling of Aziz. Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, I'm, call, I'm calling him Commander As Is from now on. But yeah, please, Commander give, give me no, your, yeah, was was the Michael jo- Jackson joke your other one? That was the other one, yeah, yeah. Solid, solid yeah, jokes today, Chris. You're bringing your fastball. I'm loving this because uh, <laughs> I got nothing. Uh, Oliver on AEW, Brock Anderson making his debut. I thought they did what they should have done with him. They didn't make him look too strong. He had a couple of moves here, did okay. Still some work to be done on things like the gut wrench suplex. The upper body strength needs to be worked on a little bit. Daddy was a little bit more of a power lifter than than son was, but perfectly inoffensive debut, I thought. I uh, I like Brock Anderson. Totally inoffensive. Um, I was fine with the finish. Yeah, he did not need to hit the signature DDT. Save that spot for an important win, like when you want to really have that moment on a big show. Um, I you know like I like I like. Brock Anderson, he looks like dad, obviously. Um, he also kind of reminds me a little bit of Stone Cold Steve Austin, like when he was stunning Steve, like like a little a little, little bit of that, yeah, a little bit hair. of that build, yeah, the hair, yeah. Wave, the hair wave type of yeah. thing where it was kind of short, where he's kind of he hadn't really given in to the fact that he was losing his hair yet, but he was still he didn't also want to have the long, long flowing hair that made it look thinner, so he cut it short. Is that that ninety two? Yeah. era Steve Austin. Yeah. Hollywood Blondes era Steve Austin hair. And I think yeah, I think I, Brock needs to make a decision on am I going to go full into my dad look um with uh you know with the uh, the crown uh or get, get the plugs. Um but but other than that dude like um I like him. I th- I think he's got potential. I uh, look uh the Nightmare Family storyline is not like lighting my world on fire, but it seems to be a pretty good vehicle for guys like Solo and Camarado and Brock Anderson and like getting some of these new guys who are the five-year future of AEW kind of going. Look, look long-term, um, if you... I, I mean, I don't know how, how the vice president's thinking about this, but, like, 
Omega and the Bucks and the Bullet Club, like these guys are not going to be wrestling active all the time forever. Um, and I think that all of these dudes, especially when they started giving themselves vice president's titles, part of that was when we'd like to imagine a future where we're managing more than wrestling. Um, and we're you know, showing up for the big shows and working some of these big shows and working these big spots to pull people up. But broadly speaking, you're going to need Camarado, Solo, Anthony Agogo, uh, Brock Anderson, um, Orange Cassidy, Jungle Boy. Like the future of AEW in this decade, at the end of the decade, as we get to like the year 2028, which I know seems impossibly far away right now, um, is going to be built. If AEW is still around and still vital, it's going to be built around guys like Jungle Boy and Brock Anderson and these type of people because people like Omega, believe it or not, are going to be close to, you know, 50. Uh, it happens to the best <laughs> of us. <laughs> Uh, things I liked, uh, I really liked the Texas tornado tag team match at the end of NXT. Uh, the, the Champa, Champa and Thatcher versus the grizzled young veterans. That was, that was some manly, manly slapping of people in that. That was better than anything I saw on what I now really definitively will say with confidence and and I'll fight people over it. Worst takeover show ever. Um, like, like the worst takeover ever. I thought that that match on NXT this week was better than anything I saw on takeover. I would agree. I, I do agree. Uh, Ted DiBiase taking a hell of a bump. I thought for LA Knight, I thought that segment worked to get Knight over as a heel. Maybe it went on a little too long. Maybe it was a little too obvious at the start, but it was a nice DiBiase bump for him as opposed to taking the legend bump, so to speak. And then there were boots put to him. It was just a kick punch type of uh, beat down. And I will also fold into that. I thought Dean Malenko did far more than he ever had to do on AEW taking a bump with, with his condition currently. Um, good day for the legends getting beat down. I thought, I mean, I thought that the DiBiase bump was really pretty incredible. Um, like, yeah, yeah, like I just, I was not expecting that level of commitment to, you know, kind of a middling get, you know, if I, if I was DiBiase and I was in DiBiase's position, I would have found a way to take one shot to the face and like roll out of the ring and powder. Um, and like, instead, I mean, he's in there and he's selling for, he's selling for night and he's taking the boots and, um, it lets Grimes come out there. Uh, I mean, here's the thing. Here's the thing with the DiBiase character. Like it's so quintessentially a heel and he's been a heel this whole time. Like essentially what happened here. And this is the problem with trying to turn Cameron Grimes baby face out of all of this. Is it like DiBiase was a dick and got played by a bigger dick. Um, so when Grimes comes and makes the save, it's like, oh, well, I really look up to Ted. Why? DiBiase was trolling you this whole time. <laughs> and, and like, but for the fact that Cameron Grimes turned on DiBiase, uh, they would have been out there laughing in your face at the end of this segment. Um, so it's a little bit unsatisfying on that front. A little bit. I, I think I think you're definitely correct on that. I thought it was a pretty good week for promos, on at least on AEW and NXT. I think both... Uh, both Santos Escobar and Andrade had really strong promos. I, after weeks of having Joker cosplay, I dig Andrade with the black mask gimmick, with the white suit and the black skull mask he had in that in that entire. I thought that was a cool look. I thought he did, came off pretty well with, uh, with Jim Ross, and I thought uh, I thought Santos Escobar just kind of, you know, in his suit, looking down at the camera. I thought that was nice and simple. I thought the. Uh, the Eddie Kingston 
um, uh, Kaz, Kaz, and, and uh, uh, Pentagon, and Pentagon promo was pretty good. I thought Mercedes Martinez's promo was pretty strong. After that takeover, I, 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 there was a there was a lot of talking into the camera and just wanting to beat people up type of things, and I dug it. That 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 was my. Th- Takeaway. Yeah, that. I mean, like you know, insofar as I liked anything on In Your House, the thing I liked the most on In Your House is a lot of the promos were directing to the camera, mm-hmm. old style promos, which they, unfortunately for this company, um, is kind of considered cliche. Uh, one last thought, like, uh, I, again, I don't want to circle back entirely. We're talking about like a post mortem of the COVID nineteen era. Um, a thing I've been thinking about. You mentioned this to me before the show, and it kind of loops back to the last episode. Obviously, I brought up Fugazi, and I was jokingly just like, you know, rattling off reviews or whatever. Um, but like the reason they're my favorite band, I, I promise this is not going to go into weird tangent. Like the reason, like they're one of my favorite bands, or one of the main things I like about them, is that they really understood and spoke explicitly to the concept that the business model and the art are not separated. And that the business model is an extension of the art. And in order to make the art you want, you have to harmonize the business model behind the art. Um, And a thing that I have really felt that wrestling has lost, um, if we're looking for things that uh, get my resentment or whatever, is that in all these various changes in the business model over the last 25 years, which only a fool would deny are happening. Like there are no more pay-per-views <laughs> anymore. So like, if you want to go, oh, he's nostalgic. Okay, there used to be a thing that you spent 60 bucks for in the 1990s called pay-per-views. Um, why does that matter? It's not like, oh, wow, you spent $60 in the 1990s. It's that the whole business model for the product was built around, we got to sell these units, man. We got to move these pay-per-view units. And so these shows can't suck because if they suck we're not making sales um that incentive has been removed from wrestling and i think that again only a fool would argue that that does not have a rippling effect into the week-to-week television and the absolute lack of urgency that nxt has um because they're not trying to sell you the takeover um if you bought the network you already own it and they don't even need you to buy the network for nxt they want you to buy the network so you can watch the network events and they're not trying to even sell you wrestlemania that's the one they're mostly trying to sell you they're not trying to sell you payback they're not trying to sell you you know even SummerSlam so much they want you to buy the network have it passively and if you want to watch the event watch the event that's what we're building to um, but, but there is, there's a, there's no urgency in any of the steps along the way. AEW for their part, I think there are many reasons why AEW is much closer to the wrestling that many of us feel kind of like is closer to the platonic form of wrestling. I think a big one is that they are still trying to sell pay-per-views. And so that like, they do know, like, sometimes they don't do a very good job with these go home shows as we've joked about them being go away shows. Um, but there's at least this sense that we are trying to sell pay-per-view buys um, and how to do that. And, and I think some of that institutional knowledge is getting lost. NWA, um, I think part of their problem is that they lost the institutional knowledge on how to sell pay-per-view units because we've now had an entire generation of people um, over the last like 10 years here, really since the start of the network era, really transitioned to this era where like there's not, yeah, we do like monthly specials or whatever. <laughs> And like, you know, like they're bigger, but like, it's almost more of a clash of the champions vibe. 
now at these network events than the 1980s, uh, specifically, especially the 1980s, um, but even the 1990s pay-per-view events. Um, Those and everyone who worked in the companies around building to those wrote the shows with a real sense of drive and purpose towards those network events where now every network event is just a checkpoint, Charlie. Um, it, It should really matter that the main event angle for WrestleMania involving Edge and Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan was an absolute dud to the point where you had to send Daniel Bryan and Edge into the memory hole and pretend that that never happened um, and you're just you're doing it now. Um, and, and actually, can I get into SmackDown here? I was thinking about that this week with Hell in a Cell. Hell in a Cell on SmackDown on Thursday night is emblematic of all this business Friday. model. Friday night was emblematic of all this business model collapsing. On one hand, you got the network people who literally don't understand that you're trying to sell a hell in a cell pay-per-view on Sunday, theoretically, theoretically, if you're actually still trying to do that. Um, And so they're just giving away a title match that no one has any belief the Dell can really change on Friday night. I think this was to appease Fox. I think this was because everything is pushing them towards Peacock, Raw, is universal NBC universal uh, NXT is USA NBC universal. I Fox agree. Is finally saying, agree. Hey, what do we get out of this? Now I was told that it wasn't a story reason. It wasn't an internal reason. I'm thinking the internal reason is because somebody at Fox, because there's rumors that these networks have been pushing gimmick shows for WWE, like points month where people win you know, base, or get points based on some, make it more sports oriented or whatever. These are, are just we relaunching so stipulation in here in 2022. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know, but but I could see them going, "Hey, what are we getting out of this deal?" If you're just going to push everybody towards NBC Universal stuff and not give us, you know, some really high quality, you know, eyeball thing here. Now announcing it the day before, disharmony uh, you know, between the business model and the arts. Um, at like, and I'm, I'm, again, I'm not, I want to make it clear. That I'm not saying it like in like this grand, like philosophy thing. It, it's if the, the art reflects the business model and if the business model and the art aren't harmonized together, eventually the art loses. The art always succumbs to the business model. It's never the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, so unless you go, I, we have a certain product an art product uh, and like i know you wrestling as art right um but like like again a certain whether it's a music product or a movie product or whatever um you have to harmonize the business behind the movie product otherwise you end up with a focus grouped piece of crap or 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 what we're having now here where business interests are saying well let's just throw that on the screen that's fine keep the lights on keep the lights on and WWE settled into a lot of bad habits and a lot of people who've worked for WWE have never learned good habits because all they've been doing is working and executing bad habits. So when would you learn good habits? How much time you got here for, for your heart out? Yeah, I got like 10 minutes, 15. Okay, cool. So we have time for a preview of hell in the cell happening tomorrow on the WWE network. They added a lot uh, at the last minute here. Uh, because going into SmackDown, I believe there were three matches, and now there are six. Let's uh, let's run down the card here in a match that should feel bigger, but is ice freaking cold to me. Cesaro versus Seth Rollins in a singles match. No stipulation of any kind. 
built on the Ding Dong Hello set. Cesaro, I I just don't know. I just he, don't he know. He could lose this. He could very, very realistically lose this. Um, I think that this feud with Seth Rollins might continue all the way to Seth Rollins or uh, to SummerSlam. Um, and yeah. so I'm gonna go because they. Th- this is the downcycling from the WrestleMania push for Cesaro. Uh, that they didn't really buy into, or the payback push. I forget which, where, where they pushed him. But uh, so I see him losing. I see him ultimately winning this feud, but I see him losing this match. Oh, WrestleMania backlash. Because remember, we had to add WrestleMania to the backlash. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking this feud continues for the two of them. And I'm thinking uh, thinking Seth pulls a banana peel or something and wins this. I, I just, it's... It's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous feud, and it's not really helping Cesaro to me because no, there's it's all so much around Seth Rollins' characterization. Well, well, because well, also Roman Reigns is just draining all the energy out of the SmackDown because that's an important storyline to them. So, while this was intertwined with the Roman Reigns storyline, they it doesn't have an energy of its own because Seth has now been connected to both Roman and Bailey, and that's a problem for this. One added last night, Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn. We're going to fight forever. Singles match, no stipulation. My prediction, Aziz and Apollo somehow get involved. This yeah, I, yeah I, I'm going to say Zayn wins. I, I I think Zayn ultimately aligns himself with Aziz and Apollo. Um, And that this is what this is. I, I bet you this is actually a halfway watchable match until then, though. Yes, yes. This, these matches, I'm not saying anything about the matches. I think Cesaro and Seth Rollins are, is going to be fantastic, too. It's just, this is good. This, this show, because of the lack of heat on anything in the hell in the cell, which should be a red-hot type of angry type of, hey, I'm getting you in hell in a cell, and it's more like heck in a sec. Yes! Uh, it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, like, these angles should be culminations of extreme animus. And, like, I, I'm half convinced, Jeff, that people don't actually know what the word diabolical means, and they think it refers yes. to, like, an engine. Like, the engine is diabolical in nature. Like, like mechanical is, is, is a synonym for diabolical. Like, they have no clue. Alexa Bliss against Shayna Baszler in a singles match. Oh, there's going to be magic and voodoo and Reggie Bechdel. Uh, Alexa Bliss wins this. I hope like Reggie Bechdel does like a blood spot, like where like blood comes out of his mouth or like he like loses his eyeballs. You know, you know, something really ridiculous. Like, let's just We've already on. had people losing their eyeballs in WWE and it didn't mean anything because remember Ray had the surgery. After getting thrown off a building and also losing his eye. I don't understand how this guy keeps working at this company, considering how limited they care about his safety or his kill his son. (laughs) They knock an eye out. They throw him off of a building. And and then they put his hell in a cell on a smackdown. That's the thanks he gets. You know, his blood feud, because he doesn't respect it. (laughs) Watching Ray act, by the way. <laughs> uh, that's been a big winner a for me. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, he's he's a real gem at acting. <laughs> oh my goodness, <laughs> it just feels so forced from him. Uh, in what is probably going to open this show and probably going to steal this show in my estimation, Bianca Belair versus Bailey in a Hell in a Cell match for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. I think this one is easy predi- to predict. But I think Bailey is going to take some damage for Bianca Belair and make her look like a million bucks. And Bianca's going to overcome. 
and we're going to move back to Sasha Banks probably. But for what it is, Bailey Bailey is going to be the standout in this match because Bailey is going to have to do not not to say Bianca Belair can't take some damage because she is an athlete and she can take some damage. But it's going to have to be Bailey's vision of the match. She's, well, like, ring, yeah, she's yeah, going to yeah. be the ring general here. She's going to be the one leading her through. And I'm kind of here for this. So I am looking forward to this match, but Bianca Belair will retain in my estimation. I, I agree. Um, and I'll just add, yeah, the match is good. Um, and I have some hope that it will be. It will be because Bailey um, has a yes. really good vision for what she wants to do specifically with Bianca and that they've got some fresh spots. Um, that the, Bailey's had a lot of, you know, sort of plunder matches at this point, but she does seem to be pretty good at coming up with ideas. Hopefully, we will not arrive at a situation like the last time Sasha and Bailey had a match, and there was like the weirdly too innovative like usage of the kendo sticks and and that stuff. Um, I'm sweaty. Can you help me? Do <laughs> that was a magic moment, Chris. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> Bailey asking the referee. Not, to help not one that you're trying to pursue again, though. <laughs> no, no. On the flip side, one of the worst angles to lead to a championship match ever, ever in this company. Rhea Ripley, your new kid on the block champion you're trying to put over by having Nikki Cross do neener, neener, chicken pox escapes from Charlotte Flair, the challenger here, in a singles match for the WWE Rommet Women's Championship. And I think Charlotte Flair wins this title back. I, I why, do. Why would I care? I know. I right. I think so too. I, I I don't believe that they give a shit about Rhea Ripley. Um, if they did, I would have seen it by now. We had that conversation about Ruby Riot. Um, and how Vince does not understand nor like punk nor actually metal characters. Rick Boogs might be an exception, but I think he finds him amusing. And Rhea Ripley is not like a hammy kind of fun metal character. I'm going to tell you something. Rick Boogs' career longevity is going to be helped by Pat McAfee putting him over week after week. Yes. Because yes. McAfee marking for him is making everybody else love that dude. Yeah. <laughs> Even if you no, hate his guitar playing. I think Rhea, that he Rhea just Ripley, needs that on the other hand, Rhea Ripley's character is just annoying heel that they want to be a baby face, but isn't quite giving off baby face vibe goth kid with, to my estimation, way too much makeup on. And that's, that's a, that's a, you know, that's a character choice more than anything against Rhea. Yeah, I just but it's that goth punk they've, metal they've, thing. They've, yeah. ug they've uglied her up. To, to, to a weird point to me, because she's gorgeous. Uh, Charlotte Flair is just completely lost and just saying, I'm the queen, I'm the queen, and kind of throwing temper tantrums. Nikki Cross is winning two-minute matches, and she's the number one contender for running away. This this division on Raw is a mess. It is a And they don't even have Reggie have... Bechtel. This is, this is the one no. without Reggie Bechtel. <sighs> But I think we get 15-time champion Charlotte Flair. We probably get an old man coronation on Monday. I I just I, I or or we get Nikki Cross and Asuka doing their weird thing and interfering at various times, and who knows what happens and Rhea Ripley wins on banana peel. I don't know which, but this just feels like they're gonna give Charlotte Flair the title back to me. Yeah, no, especially with the Nikki Cross push and the fact that Nikki's getting pins over Flair. I think, yeah, I, I think we 
are giving Charlotte the belt back and then it's Nikki and Charlotte in some sort of comedy feud thing. Uh, I hate this. And then in another angle that has just done nothing for the guy that you needed it to do it for Bobby Lashley, the champion, not the person I'm talking about with MVP versus Drew McIntyre, the guy I'm talking about in a last chance, hell in a cell match for the WWE championship. Drew McIntyre's out here because Vince has apparently seen Braveheart finally and wants to go over that story 25 years later. Kofi Kingston is far more interesting of a character in this angle than Drew McIntyre is right now. Yeah, like there's yet, conflictedness and yet they're also not really fully exploring the Kofi stuff the way that they could be. Correct, correct, correct. This is so weird because you have Brock Lesnar rumored to be coming back at some time. I don't believe they're going to stick to this stipulation of this is Drew McIntyre's last chance because I think eventually they're going to want to coronate him in front of a stadium crowd. So does Drew win this somehow and we go to Bobby and Brock or do we continue with Bobby Lashley and his strippers and that kind of uncomfortable thing going on with MVP? As champion, I I don't I really don't know on this one, but my Man, mind I, I, says my mind says somehow we get to Bobby Lashley versus Kofi, even though we're gonna I think we're gonna rebuild the hurt hurt business with Kofi Kingston in it somehow, which I think is a mistake. Or or even Xavier Woods, which would be an even. Man, just put them no. both in the hurt business. Uh, no, hurt business with the, the new day the and new Bobby day Lashley in the hurt business. Oh God. I'd do that. I'd do that before I split up the new day. Let's put it that way. I, I just, it's, <laughs> I'm going to go with Bobby Lashley winning this. I am. Yeah, I think I'm going with Lashley winning this too. Cause I think we're building to a Kofi Kingston versus Lashley match. Um, and I, and then to your point, I don't know where it goes after that. Does, I don't know that they know where it goes after that. Um, uh, it, th these are hard. The, the main event title picture is always really hard to like, sort of like prognosticate on, on some level because like, it's not the driver of business in the way that it once was. So like, you know, are we taking the belt off of flair? Aren't we taking the belt off of flair? Sort of like, is a business conversation. Um, and, and much like, much like the backlash conversation, this feels like this is going to be an overbooked show. To yeah. Me. Yeah. This feels like storylines going into SummerSlam. It's the only thing that the July keeps the pay -per -view thing is going, be. right? Like, like, like the, the Drew thing is entirely propelled by storyline. There's, a, there's, a, there's going to be a pay-per-view in between, though, which, I, yeah, but, and the only saving grace to me on this is the Hell in the Cell women's match. So this could be, an, this might be one to wait and see you want to watch after Sunday and not watch it live, guys. That's my estimate. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Drew loses, and this is the setup for Drew turning heel. That's going to, I'm going to call my Ooh. shot there. Yeah. Okay. We'll go with that one too. Yeah. Well, this has been Shake the Roast. We'd like to thank Manscaped again, 20% off plus free shipping if you use code ropes. You can follow me at Crap Game 13. You can follow Chris at DWATG if you just want to follow the show at Shake the Ropes, all one word. We thank you all for listening. Uh, the YouTube channel, as usual, it's Voices of Wrestling on YouTube. We put the video version up there. You can watch Chris in his kitchen holding his mic because he refuses to get a stand. 
Chris, tell them about Don't Worry About the Government. Do you use a mic stand for Don't Worry About the Government? Sometimes. Sometimes I don't. I <laughs> lost. There's like a little screw thing that goes underneath it, and I had lost the screw thing. I found the screw thing. I just, I'm now like settled into this uh, holding okay. the microphone. I, I've been watching a lot of Black Flag Live concerts recently, and Rollins doesn't use a mic stand. Um, and if like Henry Rollins doesn't use a mic stand, like, why do I have to? It worked for Black Flag in 1984. It can work for Novembrino in 2021 and beyond. Why not? Why not? Uh, Don't Worry About the Government can be found on Don'tWorry.tv. It can be found on iTunes, on Stitcher. Uh, we just put out the most recent, like, 35th birthday episode is free to all. You want to check that out on YouTube right now. Um, you can also, of course, go and support the show at Patreon.com slash DWATG and get all the video versions of the show, including the most recent episode that we put out. So um, you can go and check that out. And if you want to throw us a buck, Patreon.com slash Shake Them Ropes. Get enough couple bucks here and there. We'll do some content for it. If not, we're not on that list of our WrestleManomics, though. We're not making the Joe Lands of money, but, uh, you know, we appreciate a tip here and there. But, but yeah, uh, no, no, if that happens, uh, retro wrestling shows could be uh, coming back here. I, I could definitely see us coordinating more uh, kind of deep divey sort of things. And we will see you next week. Bye.